Welcome back, beautiful podcast listeners. We are live. No guest this week. Um, last week we had Rebecca Nolan talking about lifting for ladies and nutrition for strength and muscle building. So if you haven't listened to that one, I'd advise listening to it because it was pretty damn good, Brian, wasn't it? Yes, very enjoyable chat. Rebecca is a good friend of ours. And yeah, it was a very nice conversation and lots to take from it. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely worth a listen, as are all of our podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I must do a, a roundup someday of all the, the top ones that people have enjoyed. Obviously, the ones with the guests, I think, do really well, uh, particularly the mm. one with Shannon, that, that Shannon Beer. That was a, a really good one as well. People seem to like that one. And obviously, the one with Jamie. Um, so I think the, the little guests, stomper, little stomper of a podcast. Yeah, yeah. People <laughs> like people like the guests. People like the guests. Yeah, maybe maybe that says that they don't like us and they prefer to have someone else in 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 the mix. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, to take away from some of the the drivel that we're yeah. putting out. Yeah, the, the oh, shite well. talking. <laughs> what can we do uh, except keep getting more guests? I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not the case today. So no. we can't we can't get a surprise guest in for you uh, last minute. Um, no. So what are we talking about today? Do you know? So we're going to talk about some of our favorite books. Um, I put up a post last week on it was the post was uh, mistakes I've or lessons I've learned from mistakes I've made, and it was basically just about um, how I have read a lot of self help, self development pop psychology books in the past and essentially didn't take much action on them. And that was the, that was my problem with them. Obviously there is some books that are not really that overly helpful or just literally rehashes of concepts from other books. But uh, in that post, then I mentioned that uh, myself and yourself were going to do a podcast on the book Mm. on the books, sorry, that we have found a lot of value from and that we've, Mm find to be pretty damn useful um, and people wanted to know more about this. So we're going to chat about some of the books today. We have, we have a list, but we're not going to get through them all today. We have like five or six um, that we're going to talk about. And we just kind of, I suppose, talk a little bit about the books and why you might want to read them, the concepts inside them, and kind of some of the messages that, we, that we've taken from them. Because, you know, I think some, a lot of these books... Um, like, would you say, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're life-changing, but a lot of the concepts that you can be exposed to, particularly particularly stoicism um, and a lot of the psychology stuff and any of these books that sort of change the way that you think about the world and yourself and your belief systems, I think these are the ones that really sort of are pretty groundbreaking and you you could potentially argue are, are, are life-changing. So, um. These are yeah. just, just our, our list of highly recommended books. I think that's probably yeah. a good summation of them. So, Yeah, that was a great post that you're referring to um, and would echo a lot of, a lot of my feelings about the self-help book industry at this point as well. Like, I'm very, very sick of it, to be honest. Like, I, you don't, like, after a certain point, you don't need to really read any more self-help books. You know, it just becomes kind of mental masturbation slash procrastination after a certain point, because mm. as you said, you do see the same ideas just rehashed uh, in different ways, which is fine because like, I think, you know, 
the, the time and place in your life when you read a book and your own personal context can matter a lot in terms of what you take from it and what you do with it. So, you know, you see some people argue a lot for, instead of trying to read, you know, all the books, mm. try to find the ones that are really good and read them multiple times. Mm. And, you know, in the same way that they say you don't step in the same river twice, you maybe never read the same book twice, really, because it depends, like I said, on, on where you are in your life. Is this something that like you really needed to hear right now and it really clicked with you? And then you went off and, and did something with it and then maybe read it again and it has a different effect on you. But yeah, your message was pretty clear. It's, it's, it's always about the action that you take from these things. And, you know, if you spent the, you know, 15, 20 minutes a day or whatever it is taking action instead of reading another book, you'd probably get a lot further uh, towards what you're trying to accomplish. Now, obviously, that's not to say you shouldn't keep reading new books, but uh, I know I did a, a daily stoic uh, reading challenge, like part of their, they have some like kind of mini courses and stuff uh, on their website if you're, if you're a member. So they have a reading challenge. Um, and part of that like asks you to kind of uh, roughly estimate how many books you have left to read in your life. Um, so mine estimated to be about 2000 when, when I did this, which was, I don't think it was last year. Maybe it was last year, the year before. Um, so that gives you kind of a finite amount, you know, okay. Mm. You know, th there is, it may, may not seem like it right now, but there's somewhat of an opportunity cost for what you read versus what, then what, what you don't read. So, mm. um, yes, with all that said though, the, the books that we are, going to go through we have we have a pretty nice list as you said we're not going to get through them all but yeah some of these are, have been quite impactful um but yeah i definitely agree with you at this point that in that self-help genre the repackaging of the same ideas uh, we don't need any more of that like me and you personally i mean um yeah. there, there's kind of different avenues off self-improvement you know so it's technically probably in that self-development genre but it's not really it's like you know how to kind of think better and, and make better decisions and stuff like that rather than like how to win at life or mm. overcome xyz barriers um so yeah we're going to get into some of the ones that uh, we've been really uh, taken by and that therefore we'd recommend that people would read um the vast majority on our list we both read um but not all there are like uh, there's only there's like a couple of exceptions i think there's only yeah there's on our list for today there's there's only one that you haven't read off my list and one that i haven't read off your list so yeah we'll we'll get into it um would you like to take us away dean sure sure um sure i'll start with one of my books um mm. or not so i'll start with man's search for meaning um because that's just the first one on the list so yeah, this is a really. I'd say I've I'd say I've I've actually never read this. I've listened to it. I'd say probably four or five times. Um, I need to re-listen to it again this year. I think I've re-listened. I've re-listened to it at least once every year since I initially listened to it. And so this this is a book by Viktor Frankl, um, and he is a psychiatrist from. He's a he was a Jewish psychiatrist during World War Two. 
and he spent a lot of time in in the Nazi concentration camps. And it's a really good book because it gives you such a clear, such a, a really clear, pro, like a, in terms of how he frames the human condition in this book, in terms of what it's like whenever you're sort of put into these concentration camps and everything is taken away for you, from you. Like his, his whole life was basically taken away from him and, you know, his family was, his immediate family were, were mostly taken to the concentration camps and, and murdered or he never saw them again or whatever it was. Um, and it's just a really good insight into the human condition because obviously it was probably as close as you could get to a living hell in, in those concentration camps. And it, the stories of, of his time there and the way he framed how other people, how certain people reacted and how some people went through the experience and gave up and some people didn't give up. It, it just goes to show you um, that we are pretty resilient beings, shall we say. Um, and I think one of, the, one of the biggest messages from it was that everything can be taken away from you except your, the way you view the world. You know, no, no one can, every, like you could, every possession could be taken away from you and every sort of material object and everything good in your life can be taken away from you. But no one can take away how you react to cert certain situations. At the end of the day, no Nazi concentration camp guard or dictator or bully or person that you don't like they can't take away your ability to make certain choices about things and how you react and how you, your beliefs and essentially your, your psychology overall and your internal state that you, no one can take that away from you unless you, of course, let them. And that was a big message of the book, along with the fact that, you know, it's meaning is essentially the meaning of life is, is what you make of it. You know, it's, it's a very personal thing. It's a lot of people, it's a big question, obviously, like what is the meaning of life? Right. But it's, it's all unique to each one of us. And it all just depends on your individual circumstances and, and really life is what you make of it in a sense. And, you know, even, as I say, even if all these, things that we we take for granted like you know as i say like your material possessions you know uh, your car your house you know your your laptop your your iphone every all these different things they are essentially meaningless really um in comparison to other parts of your life such as your family and your your spiritual health and how you interact with the world and your purpose. You know, these are the things that are, are, are really meaningful. Um, and, and that's kind of what I took from the book because it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's the stories of the book are just, you know, they're spine tingling in a sense, because it's like, this really was one of the most horrific experiences that you could have, you could imagine putting a human being through. 
Um, and it is, it's really, it's shocking that they sort of, that they got through it. Some people obviously didn't get, get through the experience um, in terms of they gave up. Like one of the, a few of the stories mentioned people were just got to the stage where it's just like, no, nah, I'm just, I'm just going to kill myself or I'm just going to give up because there's, there's, um, there's no point in going through with this anymore. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, it's like a lot of people would be put in that position and, you know, you, you can't, um, you wouldn't blame them for, for, for taking that stance, um, on it either, because it was so horrible. Um, but yeah, it was just, it's a, it's a very, in summary, like basically my, my summary of it is it's, it's, it's a very, it's a really good window into the human condition. What uh, the definition of meaning in a sense, and it sort of hyper focuses you into a situation where, right, this is kind of what is important. And this is how we sort of derive meaning from this weird existence that we are all living at the moment. And that, that was kind of like the, the, some of the messages that I took from it, you know, but it's, it's a fantastic book. It's not that long. Um, there are the, the, the first part of the book is more so where he talks about the, um, the experience of, of living in the concentration camps and the meaning that he derived from that. And then the, the last part of the book is where he talks about logotherapy, which is his brand of therapy. Um, so it's a little bit more theoretical, um, which is still interesting, but I definitely think that first chunk of the book uh, is fucking some powerful stuff, like you know? Yes, uh, it's a very good summary of the book. As you said, it's... It's one of the, I'm also due to give it another read or listen. Um, I was looking for it there to, you know, to wave the books in front of the camera. Um, but it turns out I don't actually have a physical copy of it, I don't think. I think I had one and I gave it away. Um, I don't have one on hand, but yeah, I, I generally listen to it as well. Um, like you said, it's, it's very short. Uh, yeah, the first half is like... A, an account of the concentration camps and while Victor Frankl does say like, you know, there are kind of better accounts of the kind of harrowing nature of life in the camps, you know, and that's not really what his book is about. It still gives you an insight to that. Um, so I think there's a lot of value to be taken from it as well to put your own life into perspective where, you know, you compare your life to a hell on earth, as you said, like that's about as close as you can get to it. Um, you know, the the imagery of life in the concentration camps is one of the things that, that stands out. You know, uh, some of the ones that stand out to me is like how many people were crammed into, you know, the sleeping quarters. You know, yeah, you had to sleep on your side. Otherwise, there wasn't room, like there wasn't space to lie, like flatten your back. And everyone was riddled with lice and you'd spend a good bit of time before bed grooming each other, trying to get the lice off so that you would try to get a night's sleep and not just be awake all night with lice biting you and then the itch from that and so on and so forth. Uh, when he arrives at the camp and, you know, it's all moving very fast. They're getting processed. He's, uh, you know, has everything stripped away from him. So, they, yeah, they take everything away, take away your name. They take away all your worldly possessions. Uh, they don't leave you anything at all. Uh, you know, you just become a number, um, which is, you know, part of the, the dehumanization process that they're trying to put people through. 
Uh, and, you know, he comes through this kind of processing. It's all moving very fast. And then, you know, it's like, well, where are my, where are my family? And one fella says to him, like, oh, look out there. See that smoke rising from that chimney? That's them now. And it's absolutely chilling. Um, so it, I, I definitely appreciate it as a book for putting things into perspective. You know, you think your life is hard. You can read about accounts that are much, much worse, um, which I find useful. You know, it's, it's not to uh, invalidate anyone's actual lived experience. If you're having a tough time, you're having a tough time. But personally, I find that helpful uh, to help me keep perspective uh, as I go through my own life. Um, and as you said, it's, it's very much a, it's, it's a book about the, well, in some ways about how, I think it's Nietzsche's quote, isn't it, that he who has a why can bear almost any how. So essentially the, the having the meaning um, is what carries people through uh, in a lot of cases. And like you said, you, you in some, ca- some cases, people just give up because they don't see that light at the end of the tunnel. And I think if I'm not, if I'm not recalling incorrectly, it's like they could tell when someone had given up because they like, you know, they'd no longer be bothered having a smoke and they just wouldn't get up out of bed. And and they're just like, no, this is, this is it. Um, And yeah, the, the meaning of life, well, life essentially being meaningless until you give it some meaning yourself. Yeah. That's, that's a big takeaway. Um, Not only from that book, but just in general, in terms of reading things or contemplating the meaning of life, that's uh, something I've come back to a lot as well. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a great book. Uh, it's definitely worthy of multiple consumptions. Mm. Um, it's probably in my top five. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. So yeah, okay. I think I, I don't think I have anything else to say on that. Really, I think you did a really good job. Of, of uh, putting all the, the main points into into context for people. Yeah, it's t- highly recommended read, I think, because it's so short as well. You know, there are some good books out there, you know. Yeah, that's, that's, less, that's less than 200 pages, like. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Like, like, you know, if you're, if you, even if you're listening to it, if you, if you were to listen to it and forget about the last bit where he talks about the logotherapy um, mm. and just read the first chunk of it and maybe put it on 1.5 times speed you'd probably smash it out in the space of a maybe an evening yeah yeah you know, or a long drive yeah that'd be an evening or a drive well spent yep. um shall we move on then yes yes uh, man search for meaning victor frankel excellent excellent book definitely everybody needs to read that really at some stage um it'd be silly not to yeah. so that's that's our takeaway from that uh, sorry, I'm just looking at a quote here I took from another book, which is The Almanac of Naval Ravikant. I like it. Mm. Uh, it's not exactly relevant, kind of is, but uh, the quote is, a calm mind, a fit body, and a house full of love. These things can't be bought. They must be earned. Um, I just, it just made me think of that when you're talking about material possessions, um, which I like. So just since we're talking about books and stuff, mm. so throw that in there. Yeah. So uh, next one we're going to talk about is one of my selections or so well that sorry they're, they're kind of all both of our selections um but effective communication skills which is not technically a book it's actually uh, a great course so the, the great courses produce a lot of basically university level 
lectures and content and often delivered by like actual university professors and so on and so forth. So um, they have they've a ton of stuff, but they, they have their, their courses for the most part all on Audible. So you can listen to them um, for a fraction of the price that they would cost you to buy them like direct from the company. So it's great. Um, there's one called Effective Communication Skills. Um, what was the lecturer's name? I'll find it now. But Effective Communication Skills. So it must be listened to. Um, you cannot buy this and read it as a book. Um, but for me, look, I just think that communication is one of the most important skills that any of us humans can have. Like, so for me and you, Dean, with our careers and the importance of communication in the coaching context, right? So we're, we're extra in, interested in communication, right? But just as human beings, you know, if you, if you can't communicate effectively, you're going to have a tougher time navigating your way through life than if you do have effective communication skills. Um, so I think this is just something that everybody needs to have some sort of handle on uh, if they actually want to be a, a, like a good human and, and live a good life um, and kind of reduce friction in their life is probably a good way to put it. Um, because if you don't have these, if you don't have any communication, communication skills, pretty find yourself uh, getting into all sorts of trouble, um, you know, professional relationships and personal relationships, whatever, um, you know, if you don't have these skills. So yeah, the, the professor's name is Dalton Kehoe. Uh, it's spelt, I think, and I think it's pronounced Kehoe. It's spelt like um, Kyo would be here. You know, it's K-E-H-O-E. Um, so I'm not actually sure how to pronounce it now because I know there's uh, Kyo's in Dublin. It's a very famous pub, very mm. popular. They have a very pleasant pint of Guinness. Um, crisps as well. Is there crisps? And that's spelled crisps. There is Kyo's crisps, but they mm. are spelled differently. So the, mm. like Kyo's in, in, in town is spelled K-E-H-O-E-S and not... K-E-O-G-H-S, mm. right? Uh, so this guy's name is the same, but probably didn't need to spend two minutes talking about that. But anyway, um, yeah, so effective communication skills, uh, it's, it's the most comprehensive and useful resource on communication that I've come across. I've read, I've read a lot of books on communication, uh, a lot of them good. However, this one just seems to compile them all into one ultimate resource and it's just fantastic. And it's a lot of it is like quite common sense, but it, it stands to have so much utility in your life and live it end up living a, a much better life as a result of being able to communicate with people um, effectively. You know, those people are, are in your life uh, mm. either at a distance or very close up. And, you know, arguably the, the latter is, is what you really want to care about. Like if you can't, if you can't communicate well with your very closest loved ones, then you're potentially going to have issues or miss out whatever so uh it's it's an absolutely class class one that again it would be in my top five resources you know let, let's call let's keep calling them books because it's just easier but so it'd be in one, one of my top five books for human beings to read even though it's technically not a book and it is has to be listened to hmm. yeah 
Yeah. I have listened to, I haven't listened to all of it and it was quite a while ago since I, since I did listen to it, but yeah, I would, I would absolutely agree with your sentiments. Like if you cannot communicate properly and if you, you know, we, we see this with, with people that have trouble with social cues, you know, even like people say that have like autism, Asperger's, you know, their, their life is greatly affected because they, they simply cannot communicate properly in, in, in the way that would allow them to essentially achieve their own personal goals and, and move through life in the way that they want. So like a part of this obviously is developing emotional intelligence. But like, you know, if you are in a job, unless you are like, say, for example, a computer programmer or a forex trader or something like that and you just never have to speak to anyone um and even then like you will have to speak to family members and stuff like that i think having that sense of how to communicate properly and you know how to have some level of emotional intelligence is is really really important because you know like (laughs) we've all met people that are just complete fucking assholes like and they're just having that like they just they just haven't a clue how to speak to someone and ha- hold up a proper conversation, and it's it's just draining and it's very very you don't want to be around them and it's very very difficult. But in the same way, we've met people, we've all met people that are just totally captivating, charismatic individuals. That's just like, I, Jesus, I could talk to this lad all night. Like you know, you know, even people that are like good at sales, they could sell ice to the Eskimos. You know, it's just it's that is that is such a fundamental skill. And like, I, I can think of loads of examples, even in my life, because obviously I'm, I'm from a rural part of, of Ireland, Monaghan. Like I would know a lot of older businessmen that could barely even spell their name or, or, or do two plus two, you know, that's like their, their, their academic, you know, general intelligence IQ is, you know, probably considered quite low, but their mm. charisma, the way they can, the way they communicate with people and, how that translates over to doing business, even if it may not be totally legal business all the time, shall we say? <laughs> but they're very successful men in the in, in 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 the same fashion, and that's because they're just really good talkers, really good communicators. Um, and I think you know, as I say, it's it's essential for for any human being to live a good life is to communicate with other human beings because we're so social. But especially if you're in a helper profession, like I know some coaches probably listen to this people in healthcare, you know, even people in customer service jobs, anything like that. If you, if you, it's essentially, it's like sleep. If it's bad, you're going to suffer. If it's good, you're going to have a much better time. Um, so yeah, like I'd, I'd recommend um, checking the, the great courses, effective communication skills out. The great courses overall have some, some good books as well. Like if you're, um, yeah. if you're on audible, or if you even go to their site, like they, they, they have some good stuff um, on there. But yeah, it's so, so important to have to develop these communication skills, because as I say, it's just going to it's going to make your life so much easier, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, right. Moving on. It is your your pick next team to lead the way. So uh, this, the next one on the list is The Art of Thinking Clearly, which I'll let you take because uh, I haven't read it. I will go for, I will go for The Daily Stoic. Um, and I suppose oh. we can... Oh, I have that in front of me. 
I have. Uh, yeah, Brian has a has a nice, beautiful, leathery gold edition. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. If you're on YouTube, you can see it right now. If you're watching this as a as a clip, um, yeah, that's it's 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 probably my number one. So. I am delighted to have this fancy leather bound version of it. Mm. This one is like, this one is untouched. Whereas like my other original copy has all the fucking tabs on it yeah. and highlighter everywhere. Uh, but this one is staying clean. Um, comes in a nice box. smells mm. great. Um, has the little page finder string. Uh, so yeah, love it. Yeah, I love it. One of my one of my favorite possessions. I know we're talking about like material possessions don't really matter, but yeah. I definitely like that one. That's what you take that out in the desert, like desert island. It'll be Fiona, Cody, <laughs> and the Daily Stoic would be the three things that I would take to desert island. What about food, Brian? Nah, nah, just just those three. <laughs> That's all I need. Um, but yeah, so I, I actually don't have my copy with me because I'm a, in a new apartment. But uh, I wish I did because I have, as in the same way as you said there, there's loads of little. I've the pages folded over for my favorite quotes, but I suppose I'll just give you a synopsis of stoicism and stoic philosophy and what the daily stoic, the daily stoic is all about for those of you that are not familiar. Um, so stoicism, I suppose is a, an offshoot of philosophy. It's, it's originally from its origin is um, it's Greek and the what what is the original what's the what's the original guy that um that founded Stoicism? Zeno. Zeno. I was I was thinking it's his, his name is an X name, but it's a Z. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's Zeno. Um, and I, I'm not going to actually go into the actual specific story of how he was on the boat, um, and then something happened to the boat because I'm I'm just going to butcher that story um do you do you know that one maybe i'll leave that one to you about the origins of stoicism and the, the whole situation whenever um, was on the boat. i may also butcher like the boat uh obviously it was, it was capsized or shipwrecked or something mm. um so you know he lost a lot of stuff and then he was walking around wherever he was in greece i think it was athens was it um and yeah i think it was athens um and what did they he was he talking a, to he, he had a bunch of like uh he had a, a lot of rare materials that he was basically he went to great lengths to get these materials and then the boat sank and then he was just like for fuck's sake <laughs> um and then and then eventually he was just like my reaction to this is uh is what matters not the actual event in itself um i think that's kind of it, that that as i say is a butchering but it's the basic of the story so yeah um but yeah no, the, just, the stoic comes from stoa which is the greek for porch because he used to kind of dictate or, or you know lecture this stuff from a porch and mm. that's how it became known as the stoics and mm. um, so that's just another kind of fun origin fact but yes go on let's let's get into some of the actual meat of it so yeah, like Stoic philosophy is, as I say, it's an offshoot of, of these um, philosophies, these schools of philosophies that, that originated from, from ancient Greece. Um, and we obviously take a lot of, take a lot of those teachings with us um, today. 
um, and a lot of big figures throughout history have have um, have taken the, the teachings on board. So you know when something survives thousands of years, mm. you know some lessons and some teachings that it's it's to be taken seriously in a sense, you know. But the daily Stoic or Stoicism in, in, in general is a philosophy that involves taking a look at your reactions and how you respond to situations rather than getting overly caught up in events that happen to you. So that's one, one part of it. And there are, there are obviously different, different sections or different, uh, many different lessons to be taken from it, but that's kind of the main thing that I think of whenever I'm trying to explain stoicism and stoic philosophy is to, is to someone it's, it's a way of, life and it's a it's a framework that you can follow that helps you deal with the adversity in life in a manner that is more conducive to long-term mental health because i think you know uh, covid being a really good example of this we kind of go throughout life and, and these things happen to us that are out of our control and what happens to the average person is they get really fucking annoyed they get really pissed off they ruminate, they become depressed, they become anxious. And the whole thing with stoicism is the event itself is meaningless. It's actually, it, it doesn't, you know, the universe is not out to get you as much as people might think of it, think that it is. Um, and some people have these kind of delusions of grandeur about themselves, and this is a problem in itself. But the event and the things that happen to you don't really have much meaning the meaning is held and what matters is your reaction to the events. And this is, you know, good, good things happening to you and bad things happening to you. So I think uh, the thing is you want to be stoic in response to events. And this is also like a lot of people, whenever they think of stoicism, it's, it's all about only when bad things happen to you, but it's also when good things happen to you as well. You don't want to be like, you don't want to be someone that is when a good thing happens to you either by chance or whatever it is that it's such a high for you that you're so you're so overly encompassed with it that eventually whenever that high goes off say for example if you were to buy a new car or whatever that it's it's such a big crash you know it's 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 I suppose it's about regulating your emotions to in a healthy manner that that's kind of the way I would look at stoicism but the daily stoic is essentially it's the teachings of Stoic philosophy and, and what I just said there, along with many other things uh, specifically to do with like material possessions. And it does actually link into man's search for meaning in a sense that you are trying to focus less on some of these material possessions and being very grateful and being very clear on where you stand in your life and as I say, sort of rolling with the punches and riding the waves of, of adversity and, and randomness to come along with life. But the daily stoic is a lot of these teachings placed in a daily format. And it's essentially the first part of it. The first part of each daily entry is a section from someone that is a, a thought leader from the teachings of Stoicism, whether it be uh, Zeno or um, Marcus Aurelius or Epictetus or Seneca. So some of these are, are philosophers or Greek philosophers, Roman philosophers, um, or Marcus Aurelius being Roman emperor. Um, and essentially a story from their lives or one of their teachings. And then 
Ryan Holiday and the other guy, which I can't remember <laughs> the, the name of the other one. Stephen Hanselman's. Stephen Hanselman's. Um, so they basically, they will write an entry themselves in terms of breaking down of the meaning, breaking down the meaning and the message of this particular story and, and what you can take from it. Um, so uh, like as, as an example, off the top of my head, um, it could be something to do with being more grateful for what you have in your life or trying not to be overly focused when a random negative thing happens to you. Or if you have a, if you have a bad interaction with somebody and I'm trying not to ruminate on that or trying to be overly invested in the interaction. And then that sort of allowing that to ruin your day, because as I said earlier, it's a big part of stoicism is working on, your internal reaction and regulating your internal emotions in response to the things that happen to you in your life, rather than allowing the events and allowing these, these scenarios and these situations to sort of overtake your emotions and overtake your psychology to the point where, you know, you essentially carry this negative emotion and this negative energy with you throughout the day. You sort of, you're stoic about it and you are able to regulate your emotions and your response in a good way. So that's just kind of like an initial off the top of my head, if I had the book with me, I would be able to actually go through some of my favorite entries, but unfortunately I don't. Um, but you have yours, Brian. So maybe maybe you want to go into some of your your top picks from the book. Yeah, but you see, like I said, I don't have this one labeled um, because I don't want to mark it because ah, yes, it's a fancy yes, yes. leather-bound one. But I'll be able to find one here. There's, there's lots of... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... I know, I know which sections I tend to prefer and they're all, they're broken up into different categories. So it could be about emotional control, but there's also a lot more to it than that. You know, the, the end of the book is all about mortality, right. And then kind of dealing with that, which is one of the big things that we all have to deal with, obviously. Um, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of people get the wrong impression of stoicism, stoic philosophy, that it's, like emotional neglect and you're and you're trying to be emotionless which is not the case but it's it's about not being carried away by your emotions and it's almost like being impartial to everything but acknowledging that some things you will like more than than other things so like things are likable but you're not going to get so attached to them that it'll ruin you if you no longer have access to them um but there's lots and lots to stoicism like a lot of it is about how to live a good life you know what's important um but yeah i think what you were talking about dean like the the most practical elements maybe or the most useful elements broadly speaking might be that uh just attitude towards life and your, your perception of things being always up to you and that all things all events situations are neutral until you decide to add some meaning to them right which is which is pretty powerful stuff um and like another thing you know a lot of people will kind of uh, talk to me about stoicism like you know, well, it's like if so you know if your family member dies obviously you're not going to be impartial to that and obviously not like you know I'm, I'm saying that we all have control of our perceptions of things but in that sort of a situation it's like yeah 99 percent of people are gonna have the perception that that's fucking terrible right so don't be trying to make a man of straw out of me when I talk about stoicism, basically, because uh, I don't like when people do that. 
Um, I don't think I'm going to find a, a quote here just because I'm just flicking through it randomly. And yeah, look, there's lots of good stuff in there. Uh, as Dean was saying, like it's a page a day, all right? So there's 366. They call them meditations in this, but it's just what Dean described. The, the little bit of a quote from one of the, usually from one of the three main surviving stoic say writers but like you know there were a lot, of, a lot of time they're writing this stuff for themselves like marcus aurelius wrote meditations for himself not to be published whereas seneca was writing to be published um epictetus was former slave and he wrote his, his enchiridion his handbook uh to living right so they're like the you know seneca has several texts that he wrote marcus aurelius has meditations and Epictetus has his Enchiridion, and they're the three main surviving Stoic texts. Like a lot of those, a lot of the texts are lost um, to history, um, and we don't have access to them. So we only, really only have a really small piece of all of the Stoic teachings, but we can get a lot from it. And then there's lots of good modern Stoic authors, uh, the likes of Ryan Holiday. Obviously, wrote this. Um, it's actually Hansel Mann, not Hansel Mann's. So just to correct myself there. One man. Uh, yeah um and then the likes of donald robertson um and it's gotten really popular like over the years uh say in the last like five years maybe five to ten years let's say stoicism has got really really popular so there's mm. like a plethora of books and again i would have to assume that they're all going to say the same things so you can almost go back to what we were talking about at the start about this kind of self-help stuff it's like you know, you don't read, you don't need to read 10 books on Stoicism, right? Because they're all taking their ideas and the interpretations from the, from like three main sources. Um, so there's probably more books about Stoicism now than there is about, like, the, than there is the original texts, which is, is kind of funny. Uh, but I would, I would stick to some of those OGs of the, uh, you know, the Stoic writing, uh, such as Ryan Holiday and such as uh, Donald Robertson. And, and of course, you can just go and read the original texts as well. So, you know, Seneca's on the shortness of life and, and the Enchiridion, as I said, Marcus Aurelius's meditations. Um, Seneca has a few, uh, a few books that he wrote. But um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's immensely practical, you know, and it, it's not meant to be consumed really more than one page a, a day uh you know it's just to read it read the interpretation that goes along with it you know so that will be where the author has some actual teachings um from whatever the quote is uh or the extract from the original text and then you know it's just to kind of mull that over a little bit try and apply it and try and be practical with it in your life um and, and just use it as a blueprint for better living um, and I think, I think just the way it's formatted, it makes it so accessible to people and it's ex extremely practical. Like people are like, I, I've lost track of how many people have like seen me post excerpts from the daily stoic in my Instagram story. I actually haven't done it in a while. And then I think of it, but, and then like, Oh, what book is that? And then they pick it up. And then so there's, there's like a huge butterfly effect there where now I'm just seeing it like everywhere. And I'm like, this, this is deadly. Mm -hmm. Um, and I definitely enjoy having some part to play in that. And just because it is so, so immensely practical um, and it just resonates with people and it's easily accessible. You know, you, you all, all you have to do is read a page a day, right? Everybody can do that. Mm -hmm. 
whereas a lot of people may not be, you know, big readers into reading, um, yet they can still get a lot from a book like this. And I would, I would recommend, sorry, just, I'd recommend reading it. Um, you could get it on audio, but you'd be trying to limit yourself to like a minute a day or something. So there's more I impact have, when you read it, I think. Yeah, I've heard from some people that it's just, it's just not the same. It doesn't hit the same when, when listening to it uh, versus actually reading it. And, you know, again, it's not, not expensive. Books generally it's expensive these days anyway. Mm. Um, although I, I, one, of the, one of the books I have by Donald Robertson, you know, the, the CBT one mm. uh, and Stoicism, I was looking at that on Amazon because uh, I'm about to go away. I, I'm trying to kindleize a lot of the books that I'm reading at the moment, so I don't have to bring them with me. Um, so I was looking for a Kindle version of that, which it doesn't exist, but even the, the paper versions are like 50 quid. And I saw one being sold for 130. So it must be out of print or yeah. a rare book now or something. So mm, I'll be hanging strange. on to that. That's strange. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't mention this because you're not doing it anymore, but Brian usually gives away a daily stoic at Christmas. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll definitely do that again. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I did it last Christmas as well. I've given I, I, away. I, I I think you did. Yeah. Because uh, I nearly always share it because it's like this man's given away a free book and it's a fucking whopper book as well. So mm. yeah, what watch out for that as well. Like around Christmas, whatever. I don't know what time in particular that you that you usually give them away at. But yeah, I usually I think I like to have it as like a Christmas present, but I like to. I like to be there with the person for the start of the new year so they can start on like page one mm-hmm. January 1st um, and get started with it. But yeah, that's how much I believe in this as a, as a book. Like this is probably like my number one, as I said. So I'm more than happy for to get to give away, you know, a copy or two a year. Or I, I tend to give away more than that. Like, you know, I'll, I'll gift it to people mm-hmm. quite regularly. But in terms of this kind of random giveaway, uh, yeah, I've done, done that a few times now. If you sometimes if you go if you walk down Grafton Street, you'll see Brian with a big megaphone, <laughs> and he'll be like uh, he'll be like preaching the word of the Stoics and like throwing throwing daily Stoics at people like even at the ah get away I don't want this and he's like take it and then if they get mad of like see you just you didn't have control of your perceptions of, of what this meant this is why you need to read this book. <laughs> uh yeah so keep an eye out for that we'll do that again and then i kind of like for that to say okay you know if you didn't win the book in the giveaway it's only like nine euros so Mm. you might as as well just treat yourself to it instead of waiting another year for me to give it away again um suffer another year with no stoicism just to get a free book no i don't want that yeah um yeah okay love it uh fantastic book and Moving on, so unless there's anything else you want to add, that was a good point, oh. though. I, I, I wouldn't have thought to add <laughs> about my giveaway. Mm. Um, yeah, okay, next one then. So, uh, The Art of Thinking Clearly by Rolf Dabelli, I think is how you pronounce it. I have it here in front of me. Um, this is the format is actually quite similar to the Daily Stoic, you could argue. So, it's it's many many very small chapters i think it's about 80 very short chapters let me see here a oh no like 99 by the looks of it yeah 99 extremely short chapters right so you're talking like a page or two per chapter 
Um, but the premise of this book is, as the name suggests, The Art of Thinking Clearly. The idea is that it's a book about cognitive biases. So these are errors in our thinking, basically, um, that can definitely lead us astray. Um, and if I just pick out, I'll, pi I'll pick out one or two here just to exemplify what I mean. But yeah, basically, it's, it's a book, if you read it, you'll become aware of these cognitive errors that we, we can all be. And this is not like an exhaustive list of these errors either. Like getting 99 of them in there into your awareness is pretty good. Um, but if you're aware of them, you can look out for them, try and avoid them. Leads to better living, better decision making, better thinking overall, right? Which is extremely valuable. So, uh, you know, the first chapter here, and this is definitely like a cognitive bias in itself. It's not recency bias. It's something else. But you remember the first thing and the last thing in a sequence, um, but generally you forget about the middle. So I'm sure the author has uh, set this up on purpose so that the juicy stuff is at the start, at the end. So the yeah, recency bias is an example of one of these cognitive errors. And that's when you remember the most recent thing. So that'd be like the last chapter of a book, for example. Um, yeah, here's a really good one. So the sunk cost fallacy. Right, which is, and the example he uses in this book is, you know, him and his wife at the cinema and the movie is shite. And he's like, after an hour, he's like, I want to leave. This is terrible. Let's go home. Um, and his wife's like, no, we're after paying like 30 bucks for these tickets. So we're going to sit through because we already invested the money. Okay. Well, this is a, this is an error in thinking because the money is gone. Whatever you do, you're not gaining any value from watching this crap movie. Yes, if you left after an hour, you save yourself an hour and then you get that hour back, which you may just waste again because of this investment. And this applies to a lot of uh, situations in life. Like you may, you know, uh, like studies, for example, you know, you may just stick through a degree that you hate um, because like, well, I've done a year now, so I may as well do the other three or two years or whatever. Now, I think there's some value in that like so all this is kind of debatable it's not it's not gonna be black and white because like if someone is three and a half years through a four-year degree like i don't think it's a sunk cost to mm -hmm. say okay i'm gonna finish finish it and get the piece of paper even if i don't intend to do anything with it um it's better to have it than not right um but you see this in like relationships as well you know so like well you know i've spent i've invested a lot of time and energy into this person so even though i feel like the relationship isn't really good i'm going to stick with them because i've already sunk the time but it's you've, you're going to sink more time if you think that way which you don't have to do mm. um so that's one example another one is um the survivorship bias all right and uh, that's a pretty common one so this is like me and you dean saying okay well Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg dropped out of college and they're two of the richest men on the planet. Therefore, if me and you drop out of college, we could potentially be two of the richest men on the planet. Um, but what you don't see is all the other people who dropped out of college and who are not the two richest men on the planet. A lot of people that did not go well for them, but you don't hear about that because they didn't become they didn't get to that position of status and fame and, and fortune. 
So you only hear about the survivors in these situations. You don't, you don't, this is what the title of the chapter, why you should visit cemeteries, right? Because there's a lot of failed ventures. And this is in all walks of life. You know, you could say, you know, I want to be an author, right? It's like, but like, you know, how many, how many authors are there out there and how many of them are, you know, Stephen King kind of level. So you're going to, only see the success and you're not going to see the failure because you know people don't go on to talk about how badly they failed in this endeavor right you're only gonna you're only gonna get the good side okay mm. um so it's it's like the, the whole book is just all of these different uh, cognitive biases like there's one there on reciprocity um you know the, the swimmer's body illusion which is where like you know if i go and do swimming then I will look like a swimmer, but rather it's people who look like swimmers go into swimming, yeah. right? So it's like a, a selection thing there. Um, so yeah, there's basically just, yeah, almost a hundred of these different errors in thinking. A lot of them overlap um, to some extent, uh, but again, this is quite a short read. Uh, was it uh, 300 pages? Like I said, it's easy reading. Um you could read like a couple of pages a day and just go through chapter by chapter, combine it with your daily stoic. Um, and yeah, it's uh, very, very useful like to be aware of these, these cognitive errors and biases that, uh, that we have. Um, and that we, when we may not be aware of, mm. uh, and a lot of them are like, you know, kind of arise from an evolutionary perspective and a survival perspective, and they made sense. Um, so, you know, like social, proof historically makes sense because if you're on the savannah and there's some movement in the bushes and the four guys you're with leg it and you don't and that turns out to be a predator of some sort then your genes don't get passed on right uh so the, the guys that didn't conform to social proof back then their genes aren't here anymore right mm. uh but things are obviously a lot different now and you know you're you're gonna if you, everyone if everyone legs it you're gonna want to leg it too um but nowadays you know it's it's not the case where you know 50 million people can still be wrong you know what i mean um so yeah basically it's just a book of all these different interesting um mental errors that that we can be fallible to and help you towards better living if you uh, are aware of them and then therefore can kind of clamp down on them or at least be conscious of when you might be prone to them yeah. so yeah yeah critical thinking is it's another skill in itself like a lot of the a lot of the things we're talking about here today they require practice you know um such as the communication developing emotional intelligence but also critical thinking and recognizing errors in your thinking i think especially with our emotional eating binge eating clients brian you would say that a big part of that is helping them see errors in their thinking and to try and change the perspective a little bit um because i suppose if you if you're not a critical thinker and if you don't change if you don't sort of take a a look at how you process and think about things in the world, you are going to be at the mercy of other people. You know, you're going to be at the influence of other people 
And oftentimes that influence is, is quite bad. You know, a, an example being a lot of the conspiracy theories um, around COVID, you know, like if, if we take another cognitive bias, you have confirmation bias. And that's where people look to find evidence that backs up their point and they avoid looking at any evidence that is contradictory, you know? So that's why you have these people that are in these Facebook groups and they're all, it's just basically a circle jerk of people that are all, look at this, look at these people that have died because of the vaccines or look at this evidence that COVID is due to 5G, you know? So it's all these people that are just like confirming each other's biases and it's all, it's, it's essentially a, you know, it's a confirmation bias orgy in a sense in these Facebook groups. Like, you know, it's just all these mm. people. It's just like, you know, and there's no, there's no points that are contrary to what they believe. And there's, there's no, there's nothing that's, that's showing them a different perspective. Um, unless they, they sort of are let down, led down this path um, to where they, they, they strongly believe in these conspiracies, conspiracy theories. And I think a lot of the conspiracy theories are down to errors and thinking logical fallacies and just this lack of being able to recognize these errors because it's, you know, if you, if you don't do this kind of work, like it, this is the thing, like it's, you, I would go as far as to say that the people that don't do this kind of work and the people that don't think critically and the people that don't, you know, for, if we take, for example, all the books that we've talked about today, because I think we're probably going to have to wrap it up soon, but if you decide not to do this work, and you don't improve your communication, you don't try and look at the world from a perspective of, say, Stoic philosophy, or, you know, you, you sort of, uh, you don't do any of this introspective work, and you don't think critically, what ends up happening is you have this victim mentality. And we see it all the time with people that sort of have this victim mentality, that everything is being done to them, and they, ha- they feel like they have no control over their life. And that's because of, uh, uh, they're not doing this work on themselves. And I think that's, that's a big thing that has helped me. And I'm assuming it's helped you as well, is that these books have shown us how to work on ourselves and how to work on our thinking and our communication and how to recognize these errors and make changes and adjust and help us think clearly and uh, the art of thinking clearly or think better. Um, and this is kind of where, it allows you to make better decisions and allows you to actually, it, it actually translates directly over into your life so that you can end up living a better life. Because as I say, it's like, it's like sleep. If, if it's, if you just let it go and just don't work on it at all, it's going to be shit and you're going to suffer. But if you do the work on it and you actually optimize it and try and make it as good as possible, you're going to reap all the benefits. And it's the same thing with this like because, you know, there's there's one of the things that I said in, oh no, it wasn't actually that post that I was talking about the books. It was a different post is that everything has a cost and even indecision, even not making a choice is still a choice in itself. And oftentimes if you don't do this work and if you don't work on yourself and if you choose not to make these decisions, life will make them for you. And oftentimes it is not going to be made and it's not going to lead you down a path that you want to lead. And I think that's why these books are so like, you know, 
to us they have been so influential and so important because it has allowed us to at least in part help us create a life that we want obviously there's there's things that we're we're working on all the time but you know it's at least going to give you the skills to put you in a good position and in better opportunities and to avoid some of these bad influences and errors that are so common basically from 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 living in in modern society and and i think another thing to note about this is if you do this if you do this kind of work on yourself on your thinking, on your communications, on your emotions, your thoughts, you're going to be in like the top 1% of people because most people aren't doing this. You know, you're going to be in a position where you're going to be, you're going to have a leg up on everybody else because nobody else is, is willing to put the time into this work and making it, uh, sorry, I'm getting a phone call, um, putting the time in and the action and, doing the work that's necessary to, to reap these benefits, you know? Yeah. Like imagine, imagine going through life being completely at the whims of your emotions and falling afoul of, you know, 90 of those 99 cognitive fallacies uh, in those books. It's or in, in there. I think clearly anyway, it's, um, you know, right away you can see how this, this could be a blueprint for, for better living um and yeah just having a legitimate impact uh on the way yeah the way you approach your life isn't it um we have two more on the list for today dean uh do you want to we try and get through them succinctly because i haven't read 1984 so i'll just let you talk about that Mm. uh maybe won't have too much input Um, um sure sure we'll we'll run through them uh a little bit faster than, than the other two. So 1984 is a fiction book by George Orwell. Um, it's very timely, shall we say, um, because it is essentially a chronicle of... So the book was written in 1960-something, or maybe even before that. It, it was definitely... It, it's essentially 1984 when he wrote this, was in the future. And this was kind of like a chronicle of what a dystopian future could look like um, if we were to, if, if life was to go a certain way and political institutions and the society was to go in, in a certain way where everything is sort of being controlled by this one entity, right? Um, and I think it, it, it paints a really interesting picture of what life could be like should we allow ourselves to become complacent um and essentially it is it is it is painting this picture where everything is controlled by this by this single entity called big brother um and it's a total dystopian future where everyone is you know you 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 literally you are being watched 24 7 uh, you are essentially, you go to work and everything is rationed out. So you get like a, a ration of food for each week and a ration of chocolate and cigarettes and everything is basically totally regimented. So it's essentially, you know, it's, it's extremely what you would imagine a communist society would be like where everything is basically tightly controlled and 
the perception that is created by Big Brother, which is this dictatorial, dictatorial entity that is sort of controlling everything, is that he is basically God and that all the messages that he preaches or that the party preaches, as it's called, so this is the, the, the entity overall is the party, um, and everything that they say is correct. And if you were to go with, if you were to go against them, you are basically, you know, even if you think uh, a thought that is oppositional to what the party preaches and what the party thinks, you could potentially be taken off. And essentially the, the book doesn't, it, it does go into it, but it's most people at the start of the book think that, you know, the, the thought police as it's called will come and take you and, and essentially imprison you or, or kill you essentially for, for thinking mm-hmm. the wrong things. So it's really just, it's a, it's a chronicle of what life could potentially be like if we were not diligent enough with, um, with being oppositional to uh, to some of these uh, say organizations, essentially that would be that that look to take over society, um, and also it paints a picture of why we need to have democracy and why we need to have discourse and why we need to have differing opinions, because if you allow one side to just control everything, it 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 can essentially lead you down a road where. Um, where you, you sort of live in this dystopian society where you can't even have a thought that is oppositional to the controlling party. Um, and I think that that's kind of what people are very afraid of in, in, in modern society because the government has sort of really took control of everything of, of our lives. And, and, and it is necessary like because lockdowns, lockdowns and masks and vaccines and all that, like that's absolutely necessary and part of controlling COVID-19. But the reason that people are afraid of all this is because they're thinking to themselves, how far does this go? And they, they essentially want to avoid like a Black Mirror-esque scenario where their lives are essentially being controlled by the government because you know people are, some people are especially uh, really apprehensive about the government and sort of the the institutions essentially controlling the individual's life and choices, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's just, a, a, I'm probably not doing a, doing it justice because I'm sort of, it's a fragmented, um, I'm taking fragments of my memory of it because it's been a while since I've read it. But the main message of it is that, you know, we want to not allow things to go to the point where one part, one side or one organization or one a section of people with particular beliefs and, and, and values and thought processes. We're not just allowing them to control everything else and suppress people on the other side. We need to have this discourse. We need to have this fairness. We need to have this democracy because otherwise, you know, it leads to, it leads to things such as, you know, communist China, communist Russia, Soviet Union, um, the Holocaust, even things like the slavery of the blacks, um, in, in American history, you know, so you, you, you can, without democracy and without these systems that allow this back and forth in a sense and, and freedom of ideas and freedom of expression without this, you can, it can leave humans and society as a whole into a very dark place. And that's kind of what it's all about. Um, and it's very interesting. And it's not a very, again, it's not a very long read either. It's not, wouldn't take you very long to, to blast through it. And it's a really good story as well. It's quite it goes through uh it's it's fictional as i say 
but it's it's a really nice story. Um, it's not boring or anything like that, um, but it does sort of paint this picture, and, and it's very timely, as you say, for for what's going on in the world right now. Yeah, I might download that for the old plane, so uh, and give that a listen while I'm on there. Mm. Um, yeah, so it, uh, I was I was kind of aware that that was the premise of it. Um, maybe not that much detail. It sounds like there's a lot of household names and phrases that have their origin in, in that book. Mm. Like um, double you know, speak, double police. think. Yeah, and Big Brother. Like, is that where that comes from? You know, yeah. that's a that's a household phrase mm-hmm. at this point um yeah and then a lot of orwell's writing is a, a warning against communism isn't it um you know at least in, in the case of animal farm and then the sounds of it uh he, he was actually well. he, he he was actually not necessarily you know because a lot of people say that he was totally opposed to leftist ideology when in fact he was really oppositional to to many different aspects of both wings of politics um but i think it was more just uh a stark warning against totalitarian regimes overall you know Mm. and and essentially avoiding the suppression of ideas from the other side that's kind of a big thing because it leads this position where you know like and and it happened in in real life with you know communist soviet union where i think it was like every third person was a, a government informant and if you if you said the wrong thing to, to the wrong person, you'd be you'd be in, you'd be uh, ratted out essentially to the to the government, and then the government would take you off to the gulag and all that jazz, like you know. So it's yeah, it's, it's a really really good book, especially in current times. Like yeah, and the one on Audible here is narrated by Stephen Fry, so you literally cannot go wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's class. Uh, what a what a treat that will be. Um, okay, let's do the last book in the next seven minutes. So it brings up to three o'clock on the dot. Mm-hmm. So the next book is 12 Rules for Life by Mr. Jordan B. Peterson. Um, I suppose, well, I know this is your selection technically, but it would, it would feature well in my own list too. Um, so I'll, I'll let you go. I'll let you go ahead on it because it was your pick. Um, yeah, give us. Uh, let's not spend too long on it. So, yeah. So I, I really like Jordan Peterson's uh, ideas and his books. Um, there's a lot of there's some things that he says that I don't agree with, and I and I think you know it's the same thing as we were talking earlier about critical thinking. You shouldn't mm. just wholeheartedly agree with absolutely everything that an author says. Um, mm. You should have some rebuttals to what they say if, if it doesn't sit well with you and investigate that but the the big ideas that he talks about in 12 rules for life and then in beyond order 12 more rules for life are really really good and they're they're good tenants for lin- for living so he talks about things like always telling the truth so trying to be honest in in almost every situation and uh trying to work on your relationships when they need to be worked on and not allowing things to fester and, 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 uh, you know, tackling issues that need to be tackled, even if it's tough in the moment, rather than sort of kicking the can down the road and then it erupting into something a lot bigger. So that's another one. Uh, simple things, even like he talks about, uh, making your bed and keeping a tidy room in, in, in your house and making one room in your house as beautiful as possible. 
and, and how a lot of these very simplistic things that people don't think about and people don't think don't matter actually matter quite a lot uh, because they are representative of keeping uh, keeping uh, keeping good mental health and keeping strong mental health overall. Um, even simple things like there was another one from his 12 Rules for Life was if you, if you see a cat on the street, you should pet it. And that's simply about living in the moment and appreciating the very small things in life. Um, and these are all like, you know, these are all things that are really important, I think, even though they, they may seem minuscule, but when it comes to human psychology and, and having good mental health, they all do matter. And that's basically what his 12 Rules for Life is about and what his second book is about is these little rules that you can follow to say lead a good life and work on yourself and develop a good capacity for thinking and to appreciate some of the more the smaller things in life and and how they can be part of a, of a good existence in a sense yeah nice one uh, very succinct so yeah like for people who don't know maybe jordan peterson is a professor Professor, I don't know if he's a professor, he's a clinical psychologist, um, did used to lecture in a university in Toronto. Um, so like he has a lot of insight onto that, into that mental health space, right? So that's his background. Um, has his own struggles with mental health, as he talks about a lot in um, Beyond Order. Um, well, yeah, I think like what this does and like what a lot of the, what a lot of other, what a lot of these other books on our list do is if you ask yourself you know what are my guidelines for living my life and you don't have an answer or you've never even contemplated that then what is dictating how you go about your existence right so i think what a lot of these books can do is is give us some direction uh you know, there it's uh, potentially going into a shop that sells compasses and you have the ability to get some insight from all these different compasses in terms of what direction you might want to do things in. So, you know, 12 rules for life, you know, they're, they're guiding principles in a lot of ways that you can implement uh, and say, look, this is like, this is reasonably true and tested coming from a good resource i'm going to try this and then see how it gets how i get along with it and how it aligns with living a good life so because if you don't if you don't have any any principles for living then like i said what 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 are you being guided by um you know is it just impulse is it is it literally just what you feel like in the moment um what is it and is it once you do that bit of self-assessment and introspection are you doing things in accordance with how you'd like to be doing things? And, you know, how does your life look versus how you'd like it to look? So I think as, as a very broad, from a very broad perspective, that's what a lot of these materials can offer us um, is how to, how to live a better life. Because like I said, if you don't have any principles, then look, try on someone else's for size and see how that goes. See how it, how it resonates for you. So see how that works for you. And then, you know, you can adjust and tweak things as you go along, right? Keep exposing yourself to different compasses and to, to continue with my analogy here um, and see which one, you know, you kind of want to take with you long-term and, and go from there. I think that's, that's uh, 
a lot of what what can be accomplished here by you know reading books and obviously reading good books uh, maybe in this sort of genre but um you know our list is kind of it, it's not all like single genre like it's not all just like self-help or personal development it's as we'll get to in the other we'll have to do a few episodes on this i think but yeah i think we'll leave that there for now um yeah i hope people enjoyed that uh i hope it was somewhat useful even though we had no guest which like we could rescue your uh attention uh, ourselves and and you'll take something from this potentially go and read some of these books keep an eye out for my daily style giveaway uh which is going to be coming up soon um so yeah um i think let's see if anything else you want to add dean i will close this out yeah yeah no that's all good uh really good summary there of kind of the big ideas and why you would want to read these books in the first place um it's just about living living a better life so absolutely agree with you but uh, yeah like if, if somebody so just on the note of the daily stoic as well get you giving this away how is someone how is an individual listening to this going to like how are they gonna how are they gonna find out where to where to go or how to enter the competition or like you know how do we how do they contact us mm. Yeah, well, so coincidentally, Dean, the giveaway I always do through Instagram, which is my main social media outlet that I use, uh, which is Brian O'Hengisa. Um, I'm sure you will have that in the show notes for people to find that. Um, so, yeah, I will be doing the giveaway usually through my Instagram stories. So you'll actually have to watch those in order to see when the giveaway is going down. But hopefully take something from the other content that I put out there, because if you weren't aware... You and I, Dean, are both nutrition coaches online. Uh, we work for a company called Triage Method, which is a larger online coaching and personal training company, along with providing a huge amount of educational resources, such as the Coach's Corner for professionals or, or just very enthusiastic uh, you know, lay people who just want to improve their knowledge on training and nutrition and so on. But uh, yeah, most of what we do is nutrition coaching one-to-one in an online capacity. Um, so if you want to find out more about that, you can go to triagemethod.com forward slash nutrition hyphen coaching um, or just triagemethod.com and you can see the different tabs and different things that we do there. Uh, check out triage method on Instagram. Check out Dean's Instagram. I don't know off the top of my heart. It's something off the top of my heart, top of my head, I should say. Um, it's it's something to do with Dean McAloon. I'm not sure where the dots are, so I'll let you take that in a second. Dean Dot McAloon. Uh, okay, that's pretty easy then. Okay, Dean Dot McAloon. I'll, I'll remember that in the future. Um, so yeah, you can find us there. You can find the other coaches uh, in Triage Method: Gary, Patty, Shane, Nicola. Uh, you can find them through the Triage Method Instagram. Um, and look, if you want to contact us about any relation to health, fitness this podcast, you know, what we just talked about, because this is not really in the space of nutrition and health, but it's something that we hope is useful. And, uh, you know, it's a big part of our interests as well. You know, we're not just, you know, we just, we don't just spend all the time reading about nutrition, right? So yes, if, if you like the sound of any of that or what we do, you can find lots of testimonials on all the social media and on the website uh, from people that have worked with us and see what they have to say about it. Um, just be aware of the survivorship bias, right? Which we talked about uh i'm joking but um yeah that'll, that'll cover it um so yeah thanks for listening and we'll see you next time
Thank you very much for listening, guys. See you later.